I would like to share a devotion with you this morning. I know we've had a lot of things take place already. But whenever possible, I do like to share the word on the Lord's Day. We've been in a series now for the last three weeks calling living, called Living Fully, or we've been looking at the fruit of the Spirit and their application within their life, recognizing that these are the characteristics of the personality of Jesus Christ that He desires to live out in us and through us. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. For a reminder, the Scripture says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Father, we've already had a wonderful time together in Your house, and we love being together. We thank You for this moment of time where we can gather in the sanctuary of the Lord because this place is different than any other building in the community because it represents the dwelling place of Your Holy Spirit to be among your people. And so, Lord, since you have told me that my job as a pastor is to equip the saints to do the work of the Lord, I pray today, as I unlock your word, that you will do the anointing and the equipping so that we can do the work for your kingdom. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Over these next few moments this morning, I would like to look at the fruit of the Spirit known as joy. The Christian experiences two kinds of joy. The first kind of joy that we experience are life experiences that that whether you were a follower of Christ or you were a non-Christian, that these are things that we experience together. And there are five of these kind of things that we call shared joy or experiences of life that we enjoy together. Both the Christian and the non-Christian have moments in our life when we celebrate and where life literally dances with joy. One of those moments I was thinking about this week would be if Publishers Clearinghouse came to your door and knocked on the door, and when you open the door, somebody is standing there with a few red balloons, and somebody's holding a Publishers Clearinghouse sign, and somebody's got this gigantic check that says that you have just won $5,000 a week for the rest of your life and a million dollars. How many of you would consider that joy? I'm surprised. I thought everybody would raise their hand, and there's only 12 of you. In moments like that, that would be a celebrative time of life. We experience these moments when there's the birth of a baby or a wedding or significant anniversaries or family reunions or graduations or promotions or gold medal of achievement awards. Times in life when we have joy and celebrate. Jordan was thanking his mom and dad. There were tears running out of his eyes and his dad's eyes, which is not really uncommon. And his mom, because it was a time to celebrate. By the way, I know why they let moms pin the medals on, because they know you're not going to stab him. These are moments that whether you're a Christian or non-Christian, we celebrate and it's known as joy. There's a second common moment of joy for Christians and non-Christians, and that's the time when you've achieved something. I've been at graduation ceremonies in high school and college, and actually I've even been to graduation ceremonies for kindergartners. And there always seems to be this great sense of joy when people have achieved something, and it's wonderful to have those together. As you get older, things that you achieve and look forward to achieving are maybe buying your first house, or you get a little older and then it's paying off your first house, or your second mortgage, or your third mortgage. 
But these are achievements that you look forward to. Brings you moments of joy. Third area where Christians and non-Christians share human joys and relationships. You don't have to be a follower of Jesus Christ to have joy in friendships. You don't have to because those relationships bring joy to our life. When we stand at altars and see people get married, these are joyful relationships. Whether you are a believer in Christ or not, these are moments of joy. And a fourth area that Christians and non-Christians share joy comes when you get a good break or you're just plain lucky in life. Anybody even know people who just seem to be lucky? My son is one of those guys. He's not here today, so I'm going to tell stories about him. My son has like five or six baseballs from foul balls that he's caught at Major League Games. Some people go their whole life and don't catch one. He catches them all the time. And then he gets on the big screen holding them up. I took him to a NASCAR race when he was younger and we had seats that got us into the general thing. And he said, Dad, I want to go back there. I said, son, that's the pitch. You can't go back there. They keep people out. And he stood there in front of a lady who was very official looking. And he just stood there and he looked at her. And she says, may I help you? He goes, I want to go back there where the drivers are. She goes, oh. She goes, you don't have the right ticket for that. And he just looked at her. And I'm standing there as a father going, son, we need to go. And she takes off her pass and puts it on his neck and says, come right back and give this to me in 15 minutes. And we got to go back there and talk to the drivers and see their cars. He's just lucky. We were on vacation in Washington, D.C., and it was over in Easter time. And it happened to be the time when the White House was putting on their annual Easter egg celebrations and festivities. We didn't have tickets until Keith stood at the gate the wrought iron gate with his little face in there and Cindy and I and Kara standing there and a man dressed in a dark suit with a thank him over and he goes you're not supposed to be this close to the gate because how do I get in? I'm sorry son it was by invitation only Meet me at the gate. I'll let you in. <laughs> and we got in and celebrated during the Clinton administration, the Easter egg roll, and came out of it. The... There's just some people that it's nice being his dad. Maybe you got an unexpected rebate on your taxes or some unexpected, and you just feel joy as a result of that. A fifth way that we celebrate, whether we're Christians or non-Christians, is sometimes we just celebrate at life itself. How many of you have ever gotten up in the morning, stepped out on a cold, crisp fall morning and taken a deep breath and said, It's good to be alive! Same twelve of you. Let me rephrase that. How many of you have got up on a blistering, hot August morning, took a deep breath and sensed the humidity and the curls faded right out of your hair and you said... Good to be alive. Any snow skiers here? That's why God gives us all the seasons. But there's just days it's just good to be alive. It brings joy to our life. No matter how joyful the non-Christian is, they are still missing the fullness of joy that can only come through Christ. Because non-Christian's joy inevitably falls short for it has no permanence. 
And it will only last for a while. And it only comes in seasons. And as quickly as it comes, it can disappear. Ecclesiastes admits that as life is winding down, that there are troubles that come. And as years approach, the writer said, I find no pleasure in them. I've had an opportunity to be in hospitals a lot of times, and I can tell you standing near the deathbed of believers, there is a different attitude than standing near the deathbed of an unbeliever. I have never ever had anybody tell me, I wish I had waited longer to receive Christ. But I've had a lot of people say, I wish I had learned about Christ much earlier than I do today. But there are five ways that I'd like to share with you very quickly this morning that Christians experience joy that becomes the fruit. It's birthed of the Spirit, and it's evident within our lives. The first one is the joy of salvation. One of the greatest joys I have as a pastor is just about every week in this church, there are people that respond to the gospel message of Jesus Christ, recognizing that the only life that they can have for eternity is through the door of the sacrifice of Jesus. We are blessed as a church that the Lord has chosen this place to be a birthplace for those that are being born spiritually into the kingdom of God. There is a joy that comes in recognizing that above all things and above everything that you have in life, it doesn't matter. The greatest thing we can have is to know for a fact that my name is written down in the Lamb's book of life and I have joy because I am saved. Can anybody say amen with me this morning? Because there will be days when it seems as if there is no joy and you have to hold on fast to those things which you know God alone has brought into your life. There is a joy in knowing salvation. It's no wonder then when you open the New Testament and you find people experiencing salvation that they're overrun with joy. Jesus said that the salvation is like the man who was wandering through a field and discovered a treasure. And he went and he sold all that he had to buy the field so that when he bought it, he could have the treasure. And he sold everything he had with great joy to earn that treasure. The good shepherd, when he finds the lost sheep, says, Rejoice with me because I have found my sheep, the one that was lost. We're the coin that the widow lost. And when she found it, she called everybody and said, Rejoice! I have found my coin. We're the son who was lost to the father. And when the father found him again, says, Rejoice and be glad, for my son was lost, but now he's found. In Acts, we find joy of an African man on his way back to, to Ethiopia after Philip met him with the gospel and he received Jesus. It said, He went on his way with great joy. When the Philippian jailer was converted... It says he and his whole household household received it with thankfully and with great joy expressed salvation because they had come to believe in God. For those of you today who know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have a fruit that God had given you. The joy of the Lord becomes your strength because of you know where you stand with salvation. A second joy that only Christians can have is the result of the progress of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We just recently, a couple of weeks ago, finished up our annual missions convention here, and we had different missionaries that came and shared with us the things that were going on. And I want you to know something. I've stated this many times, but I want this to settle down in your hearts. When you give according to your faith promises and you give to missions... And we support the missionaries that we do. Every soul that they win to Jesus Christ, you get credit for. 
You get rewarded for that because they could not have gone without you. And so there's great joy when we hear the words come back that the Lord is moving mightily when thousands are receiving Christ in South America, when Africa is quickly becoming a continent with more Christians than America has because of the work of our missionaries. We should rejoice because the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ is spreading around the world. And there's a joy that comes to our heart. John chapter 4, verse 36 says, Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. We rejoice when others come to Jesus Christ and we share in that joy. The third joy that we have as believers is the joy that comes in being filled with the Holy Spirit. In recognizing In Acts chapter 2, that it's described as a beautiful moment in life when we ourselves open up to the deepest levels of our personality and give access to the Spirit of God in our lives. And we become filled with praise and filled with adoration and a language that we do not understand, but the Spirit Himself gives us. And we have that perfect communion and communication with God Himself. There was a sense of joy that took place on the day of Pentecost, as the believers were so happy that they were mistaken for being drunk. How sad is it that the world looks at people and thinks you can only be happy when you're out of your mind in alcohol or drugs. And the Lord is saying, let me give you something that is so genuine that the world will look at you and say, hmm, the only way people in our world today get that way is when they're out of their minds, but we are full of the joy because of the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit would rest upon His believers that seek Him. Joy comes with being filled with the Holy Spirit. Fourthly, joy in the midst of struggle, suffering, and stress. Now, some of you are saying, Pastor, I was with you till right then. Because now you're talking about some things that don't seem to match. Joy in the midst of struggle, suffering, and stress. This is the least place that we would expect to find joy. But that is certainly one aspect of Christian joy that stands out singularly by itself from all the other forms of joy. We are to joy in our times of struggle. We are to joy in our times of suffering. And we are to joy in our times of stress. And we say, why? Why can't we just be miserable like everybody else is during that time? Why are we to rejoice? Because it's in such moments that we find out that the joy of the Lord truly is a strength. Sometimes in our suffering, we are facing situations that are so unjust, all it can do is give you opportunity to be one with Christ's sufferings. I've talked to some of you. I know that there are people some of you have around you that don't like you because of who you represent and the Jesus Christ that lives within you. And as a result of that, there are people that they live to persecute you. They make your life Every day as if you just could not wait for Jesus Christ to come back. And it is unjust and you suffer as a result of it. But I want you to understand something today. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in them. There should be a definite difference in the way that we react in the hard times from those that don't have Christ. Because there is a strength that's the fiber of the personality of God that is locked into us in those moments when we are suffering and there's nothing we can do and it seems so unjust. In fact, the Lord says He will reward those who overcome in these particular times. 
Another reason for joy and struggle and suffering and stress is because while the suffering itself is not good, what it produces in us is good. If you have Bibles, turn to the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. It says, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. This passage of Scripture tells us that we are to rejoice in suffering. Paul begins to outline for us some of the qualities that the Lord desires. Remember, these are fruits of the Spirit. So these are things that we cultivate so that the Spirit of God in our life can have a climate by which He can do His work. And so as we are reproducing the fruit of joy, which comes because Christ lives within us, then also that fruit of joy does not diminish just because the circumstances of our life are not perfect. This is the reason many people seem to fall away from the Lord and run when things get difficult because they've not yet learned that God didn't promise you a rose garden when you came to Him. He promised you that He would never leave you or forsake you. And sometimes that leaving and forsaking means that you need to recognize who lives within you and let His personality develop in you even in the hard times because that's how you know it's real. It's in the hard times you begin to know that God is real. James tells us the same thing as Paul in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 3, when he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And then he goes on to say that this produces maturity in your life. Now, I want you to focus for just a moment on the first four or five words of that verse. I've read this again and again, but something struck out or stuck out in my mind as I was reading this the last couple of days. Consider it pure joy, not just regular joy. But there's a purity that comes to the joy of the believer when you're in the middle of hard times. In other words, that's what sets apart the fruit of joy from the joy that non-Christians experience. It's the fact that in the difficult times of life, they look at you and they wonder, how can you smile? How can you act like nothing is wrong? For those that are persecuting you, it's like heaping coals of fire on their head when they're trying to make you miserable and they're doing their best job and you won't fall for it. And you look at them when they have planned all weekend to make your Monday miserable and you see them and say, it's good to see you today and you mean it. And they're going, it just eats them alive. When you're going through the heartaches of life, and every one of us do at times. And in the middle of the people that are coming up to you and they're expecting you to fall apart and they're saying, how are you holding up? And you say, you know what? In the strength of the Lord, I've got the peace that surpasses all understanding. I can't explain it. I just know He's real and He's alive. And there's a joy in my spirit because I understand the best is yet to come. I have been in places where I've gone to visit people in the hospital and I ended up leaving blessed more than they did because of the atmosphere and the attitude of their heart in the middle of things like that because they had pure joy that's born of the spirit and as believers in the Lord we don't run from adversity we will share in our we will have our share of adversity 
And we will have our share of loss like everyone else. But when you believe in Jesus Christ and you've invited him into your life, the fruit of his character begins to grow in this joy. A third reason why we rejoice in suffering is because suffering always has to be contrasted to the coming glory. Now, I have been blessed to grow up in a church that's preached the gospel all of my life. And as a preacher's kid, I remember my dad had several themes, but one of them that we don't hear often enough anymore, and I'm going to have to change that, is the fact that soon and very soon we are going to see the king. There is a literal heaven and a literal hell. Regardless of what some of your teachers or professors may try to teach you, the word of God states it. And he says, for those of us that know him, what awaits us as we get through this will make what we are going through seem like nothing. I have often said that to cancer patients going through chemotherapy that loved God. And they said, the Lord strengthened me day by day, but there's coming a day when all of this pain will be worth it. Putting our arms around those that are grieving the loss of a loved one and some of them in an untimely fashion. And you wonder what's holding them up. It's the fact that in all of this, the joy of the Lord strengthens them in the difficult times of life because we know we will see our loved ones one more time. And it will be at a time when we never have to be parted again because there is a heaven for the believer. Matthew 5.12 says, Rejoice and be glad when you're persecuted, for great is your reward in heaven. In other words, the Lord in the middle of your suffering is always pointing you to the future. He's always pointing you to eternity, saying, Hang in there, believer, because I'm going to make it worth your while. Jewish believers in the first century, we look at that and we read that, but what many of us don't understand is the cost that it... That it what it cost them to be believers... Hebrews chapter 10, 43 says to them, you sympathize with those Christians in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had a better and lasting possession. In other words, there were those that were coming and taking their property if they believed in Jesus Christ. And he says, you willingly accepted that because you knew that this world is not your home. You willingly gave that up because you recognize that when you're all done here, what's waiting for you on the other side is going to be better than anything you could have accumulated here. And we work so hard and we try to accumulate and we try to get things the way we want them. And we want, you know, happy and healthy and prosperous retirements. But I want you to know that I have yet to see anybody who's translated from this life to the next life be able to take anything with them. The Lord says that what we do here, how we react here, the way that we speak, the way that we invest, the things that we do in sharing the gospel, reaps for us a reward on the other side that can never be taken away. It's always forcing us to look to the fact that Jesus Christ is coming and He is coming with His reward. In fact, as Christians, we've almost become defensive about talking about heaven. Propaganda that the enemy has used against us is, you know, people say the, the trouble with you Christians is that you don't resolve your crisis now. You expect everything will work out in the sweet by and by. It's your pie in the sky sort of thinking people. And we get defensive about that and, and, and we don't talk sufficiently enough about the fact to say, you know what, you have adequately described me because I recognize, as you don't, that this world is not the end of it for me. I am a citizen of another kingdom that is not found on this earth. Because of my decision to choose Jesus Christ to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords in my life. But I will guarantee you this. 
And this is guaranteed by Christ's own resurrection, by God's word, that whatever struggle or suffering or stress any of you has going on in your life, it will not be compared to the glory that is coming. And knowing the glory that is coming, we are told to rejoice in the present because the depth of our agony is one day going to be surpassed and greater than matched and surpassed by the depth of our exhilaration and joy when Jesus Christ comes again. So if today's a hard day, lift up your eyes. Lift up your head. Let the Holy Spirit begin to minister to your, your life. Because when you belong to Christ, the best is yet to come. Fifthly, we rejoice in our future hope. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Jude says that one day God is going to present us before His glorious presence without fault now that's going to be a big job for God in my case maybe not for you maybe you haven't blown it as many times as I have but it's been a big job for him to forgive me and cleanse me and to know that I'm going to have the joy of standing before my God Father God having been cleansed and will look to him like I have never had any faults in my life brings me great joy and for those of you that may not have been able to make it to our Wednesday evening when we have been studying, driven by eternity, and we begin to look at the judgments of God that are coming, I want you to know something. It's eye-opening. It's motivating to make the most of every day while we're here, knowing that once I stand before God, I can't do anything about the past, but my whole reward in heaven is based on what I do here. After coming to know Christ, it's motivating that we had better be a people that are driven by eternity and rejoice in our future hope. And I conclude with this. Let me tell you some action steps that can release joy. Some things that you can do in your life to release joy. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Verses 19 through 21. Begins to list three practical steps and then we'll find another one in 1 John 1. Beginning with verse 9, it says, speak to, speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We begin to see a list here of things that the Lord says, and if you will just put these into practice, you will begin to see that they are steps to releasing joy. The first one is, we need to sing. We are to sing. Now, I recognize that some of you have voices that sound like a turkey gobbling. The Lord never said that you had to have a good voice to sing. Now, you may not be asked to sing a solo on Sunday. Your family may ask you to limit your singing to that three-by-three three space called the shower. But whatever it may be, there's something about singing, regardless of what's going on in your life, that begins to be a release valve in the Spirit for the things of the Lord to begin to flow in your life. We are meant to sing. Some of you do your best singing by yourself in the car, and when people drive by, you're doing everything you can do to keep your eyes open when you're praising God, listening to the music on the radio. There's something about that that begins from the depths of your soul that releases those things into the hands of God. And he says, sing, sing. It's a release valve 
to have joy. The second thing that's listed in Ephesians 5 is to say, it says, live with thanksgiving. Live with thanksgiving. That is easier for some than for others. How many of you know people that are not thankful regardless of what they have in life? What a miserable way to live. For those of us that went to Haiti this summer, in the afternoon in which we were walking together in the villages and we were seeing houses that were made of sticks that could not have stopped any wind that came blowing through and these were homes and to see some of the things that they were eating and to see how skinny their children were, it made it really, really easy to come back and stop at the first McDonald's in JFK Airport and be thankful. We are a blessed people in America, whether we think so or not. God has blessed us. And why He chose for you and for me to be born here and to be raised here, I don't know. I do know that we will give an account for the blessings that God has poured into our life. Being here is one of them. But I want you to know we need to be thankful for everything God has given to us. We need to be thankful. And when you live with a heart of thankfulness, it's harder to be critical of things because you're so thankful for everything you have. And it begins to help you operate on a new level of joy. So let your emphasis be on what you are thankful for. Thirdly, we need to learn to relinquish. Paul uses the word in Ephesians here, he uses the word submission. It can also be adequately interpreted relinquish. In other words, so many times we let somebody else rob our joy. We say it's because, well, this has happened to me or because of the way I am or because of the way I've raised or I had this loss or that person that won't change. And how can I ever be happy because that had happened to me or this has happened to me? And how can I ever have any joy because of what's occurred to me? But I'm telling you, that is moving responsibility for joy outside of yourself and trying to put it on someone else. But the Lord has never turned the keys of our life over to anybody else. In other words... If you are letting somebody else determine your joy, it's time that you bring that back and say, Lord, it doesn't matter what they've done to me. I will count it all joy, but I will not let somebody else's mood or what they have done to me or in my life determine how I will live from this moment forward. I relinquish that to you and I will live in joy. I will live in freedom. I will live in peace. I will live in your presence. I will live with a future. I will live with hope. I'm done carrying this. I'm ready for you to pick me up and move me forward. And so, Lord, I submit it to you. I relinquish it to you. I will have your joy. And I will learn to live in that joy. And lastly, it tells us in 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with God. And the blood of Christ cleanses us from all of our sins. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the last one is that we simply walk in fellowship and obedience to the Lord, learning to confess our sins to Him when we have failed. Guilt is a horrible thing. And we that know the Lord know the difference between guilt and the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. When we walk with the Lord and we have strayed from His ways, the Holy Spirit gently pulls or leans on you to get back on the right path. And that, that uneasiness in your spirit is called the conviction. Conviction. 
I've told many a mom and dad, you may not be able to preach to your kids anymore, but the Holy Spirit is never so far away that He can't whisper in their ears. He will be leaning on them. When we walk in fellowship with the Lord and we're obedient to Him and we learn to confess, daily confess our sins, and if you think you've lived the perfect day, then in your morning devotion say, Lord, if there's any sins that slipped my mind, because I thought I did pretty good yesterday. I just want to make sure that my attitude is clean before you, Lord. I want to live in a state of confessing so that you can live in a state of blessing in my life. If there was a gauge on your life this morning and the three choices were empty or half full or full and the gauge was one that demonstrated the level of joy that you have, where would your needle be today? Jesus says... I have come that my joy might be in you. If he had stopped right there, that was a good enough promise for me. That he has come that my joy, his joy might be in me. But then he adds this. And that your joy might be full. That your joy might be full. And then the scripture goes on to tell us that these are the joys that come from the fruit of the Spirit of the characteristics of Christ in our life. It's for us. Bow your heads with me, please. I pray, Lord, to you now that these words will be of great help and encouragement to all of us. We do ask for your joy to be in our life. Oh, God, for people who are here that are hurt and burdened and laden with life and its difficulties, we ask the presence in this moment. You are the giver of joy. Come be present. Bring salvation here, Lord, to your people in this sanctuary today who do not know you and have never discovered the joy of knowing you and walking with you. Let this be a day of salvation where we rejoice and are glad because the Lord has come and the work that you do in our life. Father, for others this morning who are passing through valleys and of hardship, of heartache and stress and suffering, I pray, God, that you would be made real to them in this moment as the one who holds them in the right hand of your righteousness. That you would begin to speak joy into their life because you are their strength. So, Lord, bring joy and bring strength and strike down the clouds of sin and sadness within our life. Make your joy in our life full and complete as we lean on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you would take your hymn books and turn to page 230. I want to lead you in a course that, or in a song many of us who are older might know. It's called Joy Unspeakable and Full of Glory. Anybody else know that song? You can't sing this sitting down. We're going to sing this in conclusion, then we're going to go downstairs and have a little cake and celebrate Jordan. But it's time that we sing this song with meaning and fullness. 230 in your hymn books. By the way, that's that red thing in the front of you. I have found His grace is all complete. He supplieth every need. While I sit and learn at Jesus' feet, I am free, yes, free indeed. It is joy of and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory, it is joy 
stop here just a second. We're talking about joy here. Now, I recognize that some of you, your joy tanks are just above empty, but it's time to pull up to the station of the Lord and let Him pump a little joy in you. So we're going to sing this a little bit faster. We're going to sing this a little bit more lively. It's about singing like, you know, you don't sing love songs with frowns on your faces. So let's jump into verse 2. I have found a pleasure I want. you came in because the Lord has come to change us and to fill us with his presence and his power father God thank you for our time together this morning may it not be in vain I pray that you would plant seeds of your word into our hearts and lives and if there's anyone here today that has not received you may they find somebody sitting next to them and say today's my day would you lead me to Christ Lord, we pray now for the blessing that we're about to have in this reception as we recognize Jordan and the Royal Rangers and all that they've accomplished on this Royal Ranger Day. We give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.